Hey, podcast listener. Welcome to Eat Half, Walk Double. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. This show chronicles my four decades in endurance sports as a coach, race director, and athlete, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's really my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. On today's episode, I sit down with my good friend Tom Hooper from 603 Endurance. In a fairly short period of time, his group in general, and Tom in particular, has become the new face of mountain, ultra, and trail racing here in New Hampshire. But a combination of an emerging pedigree of hosting national championships and his own travels racing in other parts of the country, the word is out both regionally and nationally about 603 Endurance. Well, here he is, Tom Hooper. Hey Hoop, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm grateful to have you on the show. Um, we've got a lot of ground to cover, uh, sort of to use a an ultra racing metaphor. So uh, so let's let's go ahead and uh, and dive in. You know, uh, it's said that that market timing is one of the most important uh, factors in a successful business. Without question, 603 Endurance uh, has turned into uh, an incredibly successful business venture for you between uh, the events that you host uh, and and the the, the team uh, that you field. Uh, I think I think without question, uh, you uh, have done an amazing job. What I'm curious about is, um, you know, when 603 Endurance got started in 2010. You know what? What opportunity did you see in the trail racing market that you and and your founders thought that you know it needed to be uh, taken advantage of, so to speak? Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a trail specific thing. We were, I mean, we were doing five Ks, ten Ks, just road road racing. Um, we had we had come from that, you know genre and and we just weren't happy with how the other teams were doing things you know they were they were winning races they were grabbing their money and they were going home um you know i've told this story a a thousand times but it's it's really true i mean that's that was what was happening so you know we were sitting in the parking lot having a beer after on a sunday afternoon and then all of a sudden you know other people came up to us and said can we have a beer (laughs) you know it was it was really that simple. I mean, back, you know, so before 603 started, you know, it was, you know, this is 2007, 2008. This was just kind of a, you know, there was no lobster rolls at races. There was no beer fest. It wasn't a party after this was, you know, back then it was just, you, <laughs> you ran, you, you did whatever you did and you went home. Um, so I think that that's where we found some like-minded people and all of a sudden it just became a thing. You know, we had, we, we bought 12 shirts and 12 hats and they were gone in 24 hours. Um, so it, it, we're like, wow, this is this a thing? Is this how is this how the thing is supposed to go? Um, and then, you know, we just kind of, you know, we were at the first Tough Mudder. That was really cool. So we started doing those. Then, it, you know, did we really want to do the obstacles anymore? We found trail racing. Um, and then, it, yeah, that just kind of, it just took off on its own. Mm. So, um it, it, Bring me back to that, uh, to that, uh, (laughs) uh, 
uh, either that parking lot conversation yeah. or that conversation uh, over a beer uh, uh, in, in, in a bar, probably somewhere in Dover. Who, who, who was part of that initial conversation about, hey, look, there, there's, there's an opportunity here for us. Uh, let's, let's get ourselves organized. Who, who was part of that, that yeah, initial that was, discussion? That initial discussion was uh, me, Alex Matrushi, um, and then um, uh, Matt Michaud from, from Everproven. Uh, we, you know, we, we knew we had something with how, how fun it was and how we kind of had a little crew together. Um, and then, uh, we had a guy, Christian Sieber, he, he had, he had bought 10 hat, uh, 12 shirts, 12 hats. Um, he had gone to the mall, got them, <laughs> got them embroidered. And, uh, and literally it just, it snowballed from there. It just, it just took off. Um, in that, you know, in that we bought more and bought more. And that winter, I think that that year, I think we had sold 60 hats and 60 shirts. When you show up to a starting line with 60 people wearing, you know, white New Balance t-shirts with the same logo on it, people notice. Um, so that that winter, you know, Smutty Nose had reached out and said, whatever you guys are doing, we want in. And we didn't really know what in meant. You know it, what's what's in, and they're like, "Well, do you need anything? Do you need you need tents? Sure. <laughs> do you need beer? Sure." Um, you know they they were basically willing to do whatever, and <laughs> kind of back up. I was on a triathlon team that wasn't very team oriented. They did they wore the same gear, but they didn't hang out. They didn't do anything like that. When we started six oh three, another tri team was kind of folding at the same same time. They had Trek Bicycles as their sponsor. Trek came to us and said, "Hey, listen, whatever you guys are doing, we want to jump on board too." Um, so that's that's kind of how it it was just right place, right time, where everything kind of went from I don't want to use the word super competitive to more you know user friendly, but that's that's really what it was. It wasn't so much that it was you know the twelve fastest racers in. New Hampshire, it was just, you know, you know, 60, you know, people that wanted to have a good time. They wanted to go run the race and then have a good time. And that's really where it, it took off. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you think, um, do you think around that, around that time, 2000, 2007, eight, nine, 10, um, at that point, uh, were, was it your observation that most of the teams um, were elite teams or teams in which you needed an invitation to join. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and there was some, some elite status associated, associated with being a member of fill in the blank, uh, right. racing team or racing club. I mean, was right. that, was that generally your, your, your observation at the time? That was, that was, that was more of a, either the, the age group didn't fit, fit our style maybe they were a little bit more senior than we were. Yeah. So, um, let, so let, yeah. So let me interject there. Cause that, that, that's a, that's a really good point because I mean, there, there were non competitive running right. clubs in the area. In fact, the Rochester runners had, you know, th th those folks have been around for a really, really long time. Right. Uh, and they are not, they are not otherwise necessarily associated with, with being an elite team. Now there right. are elite teams out there, but the Rochester runners would not be confused as that. They really are a community, a local community of runners. And, and yet, yet somehow 603 differentiated itself from the Rochester uh, runners club. Right. Right. And um, it was, it was more so, I think they were a little bit older than us. Um, but this is also, you know, we were, you know, 
more so on the seacoast every weekend. You know, we were doing the Seaco series. We were doing the Dover, you know, we you know, helped start the Dover Road Race series. Um, so we were that way. They were up there. So it kind of in the beginning, you know, I guess I guess doing my research, I would have joined another team. I just didn't do it. I just figured, hey, there's going to be 10 of us and we'll do our own thing. That was more more so of it. It wasn't a I don't want to join another one. I just was too lazy to look it up. <laughs> well, what, isn't it doesn't the legend go something like uh, the reason that 603 Endurance was started is that Tom Hooper did not get an invitation to join Asadotic Racing? Uh, no, 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 no. That's that is not the case. That is not the case at all. I would have I would have joined if I knew it was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing until until uh, Andy Coro invited me to go to a snowshoe race. And I got into a van with Bob Kennedy and Andy Core to go do this ridiculous snowshoe race. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And who are these people? <laughs> well, you, I mean, I, you know, your, your description of, uh, of, of right place, right time, I think really speaks to that concept of, uh, of, of, of market timing. Uh, and, and, you know, either, uh, either solving a problem for someone um, mm -hmm. or, um, or building a better mousetrap. And to me, it seemed like 603 Endurance, at least in part, was that better mousetrap. It was that user-friendly community of road runners initially in the mm -hmm. Dover Seacoast area um, uh, that you know, initially grew out of, a, out, of a, out of a small, close-knit group of friends, but quickly, to your point, spread like wildfire to me as an right. outside observer. Um, and I, I admittedly, uh, you know, I, in, in the, uh, in the 2010, 11, 12, 13 time range, I wasn't spending much time at road races. So I didn't really have the opportunity to, 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 to witness the, the explosive growth of right. three endurance in those early days. However, um, uh, I did start to notice around that time that you were bringing more people to our snowshoe races and trail races and showing up at mountain races. So your your growth was was evident in the mountain trail space. Um, but but what what you're saying is that initially the initial growth was in the road racing scene. Yeah, it was on 100%. Just we were doing all the 5Ks. I mean that was that was our thing. We you know we were doing brunch runs. We'd run the 5K, then we go have you know a million mimosas you know that was that was the thing and then it just kind of and i i have a question after i you know finished this but it's it's you know so it, it was always the next thing okay we did all these 5ks then we did all these 10ks then we're now we're doing halves we're only doing halves now we're getting to marathons and now we've got you know we're pushing these people in this in this huge group where everybody's keeping up with everybody else so now we've now we've hit now everybody's doing ultras have did we did we cause some of this problem in in now if you're looking at road race numbers where 5k's have dropped from thousands of people to 107 people mm -hmm. yeah like did we did we cause some of that you know did did we rah 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 so many people that 5Ks are so beneath them that there's, you know, there are no more 5Kers, you know, that's, they're not going to pay 30, 40 bucks to, to do a 5K when they can do a 5K from their house and, you know, now 21 minutes, which, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good question. I think, 
I mean, at least from from my perspective, and and admit, admittedly, I'm 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 quite a bit disconnected from the road racing scene. But just mm-hmm. just as a casual observer, um, I think I, I think part of the demise of the 5K road race um, was how easy it was for anybody to to start one, um, right? So that um, and and I and I think I think that that growth eventually reached a saturation point right and and the participation numbers got so thin because you know i, I mean we, we we went from a dozen 5k road races to you know 100 5k road races mm-hmm. and the the growth in the sport of running did not keep up with the growth of events and so events started to see their participation I'm saying 5K road races started to see their participation numbers begin to dwindle. Um, And at some point it became a a return on investment issue. You know, is it worth us spending all this time and money as a fundraiser to in the at the end of the day, make 100 bucks? Um, There's got to be an easier way to make five hundred dollars, you know, as an event director that whether you host an event for 100 people or you host an event for a thousand people, it's still a lot of work. Um, and in the end, I think, I think, I think folks for whom it was not a profession, it was more of a group of volunteers. Uh, I think, I think eventually it sort of hit its apex Mm -hmm. and I think it, I think it essentially flamed itself out. Now there, obviously there might, there, there, there likely were other forces at play. I mean, I, I think at the same time, and you tell me, you tell me what you think, I think at the same time that that the growth uh of 5k events was uh was sort of you know at its at its apex in zenith i think trail racing became much more of a thing at least here locally and and the number of trail racing events started to increase uh there they became more prevalent uh players like 603 endurance got in the event hosting space you had and have a captured audience um, although we've, you and I have had this discussion before that, you know, even though, you know, you have a captured audience of 603 members, uh, it wasn't necessarily an easy lift for you to move them from the roads onto the trails. Uh, I mean, I think at this point, all of the events that you host are trail races. They're not road races. And yet you started right. as a road racing club. So you, you tell me what you tell me what you think, um, uh, do you, do you think do you think the rise in trail racing popularity, at least in I mean generally, at least in part, played a role in the demise in the demise of the five k road race? It's a it's a it's a really good question. I think this may be one of those that perfect timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this may be the whole <laughs> this whole conversation may be about perfect timing. But I think that that I think that with trail r- uh, running coming on, you know, growing so large so fast, um, I think that may have something to do with it. I don't. I know that the the towns that the town that we put our 5k 10k in uh just raised the prices so much for the police details that it priced everybody out uh timing priced everybody out Uh, a lot of these companies are just charging a crazy amount of money for their services so when you do trail running you can kind of get rid of those costs um yeah, so it, that, that's a that's a good point, Tom. Let me interject there. Um, so, g- give the listener a little bit of inside baseball when it comes to the difference between hosting a trail race and hosting a road race, in terms of you know general expenses like, for instance, a police detail. 
police why, detail. Why, why would you have a police detail for a road race? And, and, and why wouldn't you have a police detail, for instance, for a trail race? Help, help the listener understand the difference between trail racing and road racing. Right. So, so with our road races, I mean, we had a 10K. Half of it was out and back. We still needed 11 police officers for an out and back. So every road crossing. Now, great, the race only takes an hour, hour and a half. They have a four-hour minimum. So you wait a minute. So you you were paying you were paying eleven police details for a four-hour stretch. For a four-hour stretch, even though if they were only there for thirty minutes, because sometimes the first, you know, once you pass the first intersection, they can go home. (laughs) So I mean, you're talking about a six seven thousand dollar bill right off the top. We haven't just we haven't rented detail. Just police detail. We haven't rented porta potties yet, uh, you know, f- facilities, uh, as in like where you know if it, there's a pavilion or something like that. Like that's that's just off the top. So I mean, prices in some of for these some of these five Ks are just through the roof. Where, you know, you can't you can't. It's not feasible. It's just not feasible to to do them anymore. So I you know I and I think that some of these. Uh, 5Ks that have the best intention of making it a charity race, I think when they get done at the end of the day, unless they have some sort of, you know, donation system or something like that, I think they scratch their heads and be like, that was not worth our time. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It, right. It's 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 almost certainly more lucrative to have a bake sale or a car wash than it is to put on a road race. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Even, even though there is this lure, there was a lure, there has been a lure uh, in the last decade or so that the easy way to make money is to put on events uh-huh. as event directors, <laughs> as event management uh, uh, business owners. You and I know that this is this is not a the way that we do it. The events that right. we host, the, these are not the most lucrative events these are not the easy i guess it's not the easiest way to make a buck is what is is what i'm saying and you know that to be true 100 um, <laughs> yeah i mean unless you know uh, unless you get to the point in which you've got you know 10,000 15,000 20,000 participants right. uh, and you can charge them 150 dollars up um uh those those types of events those types of businesses are are are, are making a tremendous amount of money mm-hmm. for you and i that own mom and pop event management companies. Um, it only makes sense to move out of the city uh, or out of urban areas and get into trails in which to your point, um, overhead expenses drop dramatically, right? I mean, you, uh, maybe you have a venue fee, maybe the venue doesn't charge you a fee. You've Mm -hmm. got liability insurance, um, which is, that's a cost that you can certainly build into the registration. Um, Timing is another, is another expense. We always, we have felt with acidotic racing that, um, you know, unless our events uh, exceeded a certain number of finishers, we could, we could certainly handle the timing by hand. Uh, Now, I mean, I, and, and I think you probably have, have witnessed and experienced this as well, that, um, that uh, that these fancy timing companies and events that hire fancy timing companies and we've done it um, have really changed the expectation. You know, when 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 people come to a trail race and they finish, they expect immediate results. Mm-hmm. Uh, they expect their time to be printed on a, a little ticker tape, uh, or they expect their their result to be immediately posted on on some large screen TV 
uh, monitor, right? Um, and again, we we've been we we have we've been guilty of that. We've done that. We've hired right. those companies. Um, but there, but to your point, it's it is an expense that um, again, once you get beyond a certain number of finishers, uh, I kind of feel like you know that that hand timing is sort of retained some of the charm of sort of the way that trail racing started. I mean, you guys, you guys hand time some of your quote unquote smaller events. Everything uh, besides loon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and longer distance helps with that as well. When they're longer distance, they're spaced out more. It, and timing only becomes a problem when there's 17 guys crossing the finish line at the same time or within five seconds. Yeah. Um, when you have a 50 K, that's not really the case. Yeah, it's a that's that's a really that's a really good point. Um, you know, we 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 host the Kingman Farm Trail Race in Madbury, like in your your backyard, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's a four mile race, and maybe there's a hundred people, but mm-hmm. sometimes it can be one of the trickier events to to, to time because the race is so small. Right. Even though there's only seventy five to a hundred people, to your point. It's not unusual to have 10 people finish at a time and right. at the same time. And when you're hand timing, just it, it just it, it 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 increases the complexity a little bit and you just have to be a little bit more organized. Right. That I um, mean that ultra ultra sign up app is has kind of changed it for us. I mean, that has made it pretty, pretty slick. I mean, where you just have an iPad with every bib number and as they're coming, you're just tapping numbers. It's it, I mean, you can correct things on the fly, you can change things. It's they've done a great job with that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me, let me, let me pick up, let me pick up on that and ask you a follow-up question to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've, you, you, you've personally and professionally been in the, uh, in the endurance racing space for a little while now. Um, you mentioned ultra sign up and their, uh, and their sort of live scoring uh, functionality uh, mm-hmm. to their, to their app and their website. Um, what, what have you seen to be some of the more significant, improvements or advancements uh in technology or or in anything in particular technology probably is the most re- most likely thing uh what, what what have been some of the more some of the some of the more substantial influential advancements in in technology that have changed the trail mountain ultra racing space now are we talking from the running standpoint or from the event directing standpoint. yeah you i mean look tom you're you are both a, <laughs> you, you're both a competitor uh meaning you're a participant you're an endurance athlete and you're also an event management uh company owner so uh, so g- give me either or both yeah i mean on the on the event director side like that 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 app has changed everything for us for for what we do for all of our timing i mean that's it is i mean it's 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 pretty pretty foolproof um so i mean that that has saved us a lot um on the running side i'm i mean there's so much gear and, and tech stuff out there i don't even know what I, maybe maybe too much mm, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> uh, some of these watches are pretty crazy i mean you know just now with the solar powered and the battery life and stuff like that i think that would be the number one thing for for the running side being able to be out there for you know 24 hours and having a watch that still goes i mean i still remember the you know the old garmin EX310 or whatever it was called, the big clunker that every triathlete had. Well, I, uh, even, even my GPS device, which is probably only maybe four or five years old, um, routinely craps out on me, you know, when I'm on long hikes, uh, you know, say beyond 10 hours, uh, my, my battery just goes, it just, it just croaks. 
Um, I do think, to your point, that uh, that battery life has, has been one of the more significant advancements in the GPS-enabled device space, right? I mean, that's, I mean, but there's not, a, there wasn't a whole, there wasn't a whole lot of area to grow in terms of GPS accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these GPS devices have, have become pretty accurate in the last 10 or 15 years. Really, the area for growth with those GPS devices was to, was to increase the length of the, of the battery life right. w- without significantly increasing the size of the device, right? Remember back, right back in the early days with the Garmin's, uh, I mean, it, it literally was like, uh, you know, it was like, like having a, a calculator. Yeah, it was like <laughs> yeah. a Nokia phone attached to your wrist. Right. Um, and, you know, they were just awkward and, and gawky looking. Uh, now these GPS devices are super slick. Like it's a, it's a device that people wear, all the time, right? Whether they're not only w- whether they're out for a run or you know they're heading off to dinner. I mean, these these devices are small and they're stylish, and the battery life is just extraordinary. You know, some of them the battery life is multiple days, which I really think is has 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 met that that ultra running community need, right? I mean, I think uh, I I think I think that's that's what that that space was was clamoring for. Well, let's. Um, Let's 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 pick up on that idea of uh, of, of ultra running uh, and talk a little bit about your uh, 603 endurance uh, event schedule. Um, I, I mentioned Mutt Mountain Ultra Trail. Um, you know, when snowshoe racing was still around, you guys would have been a leader in smut. Yeah. Um, right. The snowshoe mountain mm. ultra trail racing scene. But but alas, snowshoe racing is is really no longer a thing. Um but um, yeah, t- tell the listener a little bit about uh, about your event schedule. Uh, what what events uh, does Six Hundred Three Endurance have on their event? Right. Coaster? So two weeks ago, we put on Dixon's Revenge. Uh, so that was a half marathon uh, through Rollinsford. Um, then we have Loon Mountain, uh, courtesy of you. Uh, that's July tenth. Uh, we have the Ragged Three Day Stage Race in Fifty K. Uh, that's in August. September is the Kismet Cliff Run, and then Vulcan's Fury is in October, and then hopefully this year, if if uh, if it's dry enough, we'll have our pumpkin relay backs back. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to end the season. I think every event management company has to have at least one costume race on their right. on their schedule. I feel like I feel like uh, uh, with Asadotic Racing, that's the that's the one that we missed. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a pretty diverse um, event hosting schedule. Um, you know, I I want to I want to pick up on something and 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 and, and get your get your uh, get your your take on it. Um, you know, of, of the events that you uh, that you just um, mentioned. Um, I think really only two, uh, Dixon's and the great pumpkin relay, um, were, uh, in their original form were 603 endurance events, right? The the others, uh, you have either reanimated, uh, you've sort of, you've, you've, you've risen them, um, keep calling me for this (laughs) (laughs) or, or you, or you have, uh, either through, uh, collaboration or hostile takeover. You have, I'm just kidding about that. Uh, you, you have, you have acquired, uh, 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 some, some existing events. So, um, yeah. So tell me, you know, when, 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 when you folks were poised to, uh, expand your event racing schedule, right. And you were thinking about, okay, like, 
you know, we're, we, we feel like we've got a handle on, on this event hosting thing. Like we, we know what we're doing. Um, we're pretty no, good that's, at that's it. Good that's good. Let's correct that. I still don't, I still don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, may, maybe you don't quite know what you're doing, but, right. but you're able to, but you got I good volunteers. <laughs> you got good, good volunteers to cover for you and make up for your shortcomings. Right. Um, either way you're putting on successful events, uh, and you're pretty popular. Um, so you're, you know, now you're thinking about expanding your, your event hosting schedule. I mean, take me through the calculus there, Tom, is it, um, you know, you, you must've looked at the event hosting schedule and thought, holy cow, where are we going to have an open weekend if we wanted to create a new race? And then maybe does it make more sense to, you know, either reanimate a really popular event that, that needed to go away because of really unfortunate circumstances, the, uh, the, the, the green emerald, uh, race or, uh, or the emerald, the necklace. emerald necklace race, right. or was it an event that was, I don't, I don't want to say floundering because that wasn't the case with Kismet, but, but Kismet needed a little bit of a hug and you were able to step in and give that race a hug and, and, and make it uber successful. Yeah. None get, of that get, get, happened. None get, of that was how it all right, actually well went then, down. All right. Well, then set the record straight then. then <laughs> all right. What, so how did this all come about? Alex and I were doing the 5K, 10K. That's the only thing that we wanted to do. Uh, Ragged or Emerald Necklace, I had run twice. The third year, at, or so Chad had passed away. The, the other guy... Uh, didn't do his due diligence on how the race was supposed to go. Didn't sign some paperwork, made some town officials angry. Um, and the people from SRKG called me and said, you know, is there, you, you know, you're doing the 10 K and is there any way you'd want to take this over? You've done it twice. What do you think? And that's how that, and I, and, I put in the only way I would do it is if we could add a 50 K to the third day, because that race isn't, is not a moneymaker. That is that, that three day stage race is a lot of work. I mean, a ton of work and a ton of money. So the only way to make that even remotely feasible was put a 50 K in, um, you know, and then I was you know, running the same thing. What were the logistics on it? How would we do this? You know, do we call a bus company? What, how do we do this? And that's how, that's how that went. I, I just didn't want to see it die. That, that was the, it was, it's, it's such a cool race. The trail system is so untouched. It's so not, you know, just natural. And we have to go in every year and, and kind of beat it down a little bit just so people can run this race. I mean, to have an 80 mile section where nobody travels on it is crazy. Um, so I just didn't want to see that die. I thought that that would have been a bad, that would have been a loss for that, that whole region. That would have been a loss for, I mean, that, you know, Chad's legacy, his, his race, you know, his, his race, you know, doesn't succeed because he's gone. Nobody could step up and take that. That would have been, that would have been sad. Once I had done that, that following year, Gabe had written me an email saying, Hey, I believe that this, and I had never done Kismet. I, I didn't know, even really know what it was. He was so like, Gabe, hey. Gabe, Gabe, for the listener, Gabe uh, was the race director, director for the Kismet Cliff Run. Gabe right. was a, 
or is a local climber, a rock climber. He's also a trail runner. Uh, Nice guy. Um, He was he was putting on this event principally as a fundraiser. Right. Yep. Right. For 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 the Kismet Cliff Rock Foundation. Um, So he he's like, hey, I I see the races that you're putting on. I think that this race could be bigger than it is. I don't have. So he's a a nurse in at the Portland regional hospital or, or whatever it's called. And he's like, I don't have time to do this stuff. I don't have time to do social media. I don't have time to do the marketing. You know, the most people we've ever had is, I think it was 37 or something like that. He's like, I don't think it can hold that many more, but is there a way you would take this over and still donate to the, I'm like, sure, let's, let's, let's give it a whirl. Let's see, see what happens. So once again, this just fell into my lap. This was yeah, just so a how, random. How- how did you, how did you know, how did you know, Gabe? How, how I had... didn't, I literally didn't know. I, I, I may have met him once before, but I, I literally did not know, know him other than from Facebook. So yeah. that was a, that was a cold reach out on his part. Right. But I think he, he saw some of the, you know, I think he saw 603 at some of races like, you know, Loon and Brenton Woods and Vulcans and stuff like that. And saw the, maybe saw the culture, maybe saw, you know, what he wanted for it to be. I don't know. That would be, that'd be another podcast with, <laughs> with Gay Flanders. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So we, we went up there and, and ran the course. And I mean, I mean, I still think it's the, the most scenic course on the East coast. I, I can't name another one that has two, three sixty views and yeah i it's i think it's great um so yeah so that that was just just dumb luck and and fell into my lap so then um the other two events um uh vulcan's fury and the loon mountain race uh uh speak to the story of of those start with i got spam mail from this guy (laughs) start start with vulcan's fury and end with loon mountain because i want to talk a little bit more about the loon mountain race but so how did yeah how did how did you how did you come to acquire (laughs) the uh vulcan's fury uh trail race and the and the loon mountain race yeah how did how did you possibly get talked into taking the loon mountain race right what i wanted right um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I don't even know. It was <laughs> the the owner had COVID and he was he was delusional. Uh, oh, that is I don't know news. what happened. Um, <laughs> but it's it's funny because you know because we, back in you know thirteen fourteen fifteen we were running Vulcan Syria every year. It was it was an unbelievable time. Um, so yeah, I, I it was just something we've we've always done same thing with with exeter i mean we, we we've done we did them all you know what i mean so it was it was great i mean for loon loon's a different thing you know that was for us as in 603 as in 2013 12 whenever it was i mean that was the first time we had been exposed to anything like that so for i mean i think the the ogs of 603 that will always be one of their favorite races ever i mean that was that was where people got a taste of it. Now, you know, that was their, the first bite and you're like, right. Whoa, what is this? So, and I think that we know, how do I say this? I, I think that this was also a perfect timing for, for you and I, where, 
you, this race was taking off, but we were bringing it exponentially because, you know, some people were bringing three or four friends. We're bringing 120 friends. So I think it just True. started to, to, it was just once again, a perfect timing thing where we had such a love for your race that it just, it just, it just happened. <laughs> that was a perfect storm right there. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the conversation that Paul and I had, um, you know, in, in the weeks before we reached out to you about the Loon Mountain Race, you know, those conversations were around, um, you know, he and I looking to move on. And, and if we were going to move on, this was the best time to move on because the, the event, the event was as popular as, as the event had ever been uh, mm -hmm. from a, uh, from a, uh, from a participation standpoint. And when we thought about um, who would be the best individual and organization to carry forward, you know, what, what we had worked to build, um, you were our second choice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> I'm just, the other guy I'm, didn't answer. <laughs> first guy, first guy wanted wanted too much. No, um, uh, you, clearly, um, <laughs> you you personally and six hundred three in general uh, had established themselves really as uh, uh, as the emerging leader in the mountain ultra trail running space. So, really, was a no brainer for Paul and I. Uh, to hand the event over to you. And lo and behold, we would hand the event over to you at the beginning of a pandemic. Um, so you, you had to not only navigate and construction, the, don't forget the construction part. Well, that's what I, that's what I meant by the pandemic, the pandemic, <laughs> the, the pandemic included the, the, uh, the construction uh, at, uh, at, at Moon Mountain Resort. Um, yes, not, not, not the most ideal circumstances to take over, uh, one of the three largest mountain races in the country. Uh, yet, uh, that, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about timing, you know, that was maybe not the best timing, <laughs> but that's what the timing was. Um, right. and, uh, uh, I, I was there personally, um, uh, two years ago, uh, no, last year. Um, uh, yeah, last year. Um, and, um, and you, you folks, you folks did a, uh, an excellent job. Um, it, it was actually only the second time that I had run the event. The, the time before was the, was the year before I, I worked to partner with Paul. So it was the year before I partnered with Paul on the Loon Mountain race. And then the second time that I ran the race was, was the year after uh, I handed it over. So it was sort of kind of an interesting uh interesting uh bookends there um so third times a charm this year <laughs> uh, uh i am not currently registered for the loon mountain race but let's talk about let's we talk about the, happen. let's talk about the loon mount let's talk about the loon mountain race because um uh true to form the loon mountain race uh will once again be a uh, a u.s national championship but a little bit different uh, national championship. But before I ask you about, about that, that new, um, USATF, uh, um, mountain running championship, um, uh, I want you to tell me about, um, about your trail sisters approved, um, designation for the event this year. Uh, you know, first of all, what, what, what does that mean? What does trail sisters approved mean? And, and why, why is that important for, uh, for, for 603 Endurance uh, as an event management company uh, to be Trail Sisters approved. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we always want to have the demographics 50-50. I mean, that's that's 
I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't want to have that, to have that little, you know, that boost from the trail sisters where we go through and we, we, you know, we do their checklist. This is what we need to be. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, if you just saw uh, Dixon's revenge, we had more women than we had men for the first time ever, which is crazy. It's, it's awesome. It's that's, so yeah, cool to see that's them. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so the trail, the trail sisters thing, um, just in the, in the off season, we went and, and went on their through their, their checklist. Most of our races already did everything that they were asking for. Um, there were a couple modifications we made and, and, uh, and it was, it's good to go. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I, it, it, it's clear, um, uh, at least in the USATF New England mountain running circuit, um, that, um, that female participation and actually younger, young, uh, younger participation, uh, are, are, are two, uh, are two really significant areas for growth, um, potential growth. Um, and, you know, again, that was that was that was an you know, that was an initiative that Paul and I took on um, a couple of years ago with the Loon Mountain Race, um, in which you know we we worked with Gina Lucrezi and and Trail Sisters and uh, and really worked to close that gap between male and female participation that it, you know that historically at least at least in New England um, um, mountain racing and probably is true for for trail racing as well. Uh, the the gender splits like 70 30 you know, it's like 70 percent right. men and 30 percent women uh, and you know it's probably also true that it's uh, at least more than 50 percent of the participants are you know 50 years and older so I, mean, I, I I really think if if the sports of mountain ultra and trail racing at least here in New England are to uh, to be sustainable um, it the gap has to be closed. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the gender gap in participation has to be closed. And we also have to, we also have to work to attract younger people to the sports of mountain ultra and trail racing. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts around, uh, around initiatives, things, things that you think about, um, things that you things or things that you actively are doing to, to, to close both of those gaps, to, to attract more women to the sports of mountain and trail racing and ultra racing and then also, um, you know, how do you how do you how do you get younger people interested in, in, in these in these activities? Yeah, I think that I mean, social media is such a good platform where, you know, you're seeing this stuff, right? You know, before social media, you could be like, hey, come from a trail run. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Um, but now, you know, everybody's doing it for the gram. Uh, you know, it, so, I mean, pictures on top of Mount Washington, pictures on top of, you know, whatever mountain you want to put out there. Um, I think that that, that drives it. I think that they see it's not just elites. I think there's every body, you know, body style for, from young to old, you know, it, I think that they see themselves out there where they can relate and they say, well, I can do this. And I think that that gives them a little, little, you know, bump where they're like, all right, let's, let's try this. But I think you have to do it in, groups i don't think you can sing you know you can't single out and say if you're just trying to, to to recruit people to come i think it needs to be a group thing um you know hey you and your friends should try this it's not a hey you should try this nobody's going to feel comfortable and have a good time doing it by themselves and i think this is where 603 really started is i hated the starting you know 
I like being social. I don't like standing at a starting line for 20 minutes uh, by myself. I, I rather, you know, you know, chew the fat with somebody. You know what I mean? Um, I think that that makes the, the experience more fun. So I think that I think groups work much better than if you're just trying to attract one person at a time to go where, you know, so if you say, hey, X, Y, Jim, why don't you guys come and try this race out? Some will, some will like it, some won't. And that's okay. They tried it. And so I think that that, I think that that is a, is a good way to, to, to sort of bring those, those crews and, and boost the numbers that way. Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that, that was exactly our observation around that Trail Sisters initiative a couple of years ago at the Loon Mountain Race, um, that uh, generally speaking, um, w- women tend to come in groups, particularly if it's something new to them. Uh, whereas men may be more willing to show up by themselves to something they've never done before. Um, that, uh, that, that women oftentimes feel more comfortable to bring a friend. Um, and, um, and, you know, we, 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 we certainly kept that in mind when, when we were, uh, when we were working on that initiative and initiative and, and I think it worked really well. You know, the other thing too, from, um, um, from an optics standpoint, I I think you make a really good point, uh, in that, uh, as event management companies, um, I think the most effective use of social media is, is the visual, part of it um i mean you mentioned instagram that's uh, that's that's a that's an obvious format for this um but um when you are when you are presenting your race on social media um at least for us uh i mean i think about i think about that this all the time um you know what what is the optic around this event because let's let i mean let's be clear um mountain racing trail racing and ultra racing are intimidating. I mean, they're really intimidating. (laughs) Um, Particularly for folks that are are coming from the road racing scene, right. In which, you know, there's, there's no rocks, there's no roots. There's, there's a very low probability that you're going to get lost. Um, Trail racing, mountain racing and ultra racing is a totally different thing. There's uh, there are rocks, there are roots, and there is a possibility that you might get off course. Um, and and so um, I, I think how we I think how we visually represent the event is important uh, for 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 a couple of reasons, um, or at least in a couple of ways. Uh, again, to your point, which I think I think is a really valid point. Um, who are we showing participating in our event? I mean, are we only showing the top male and female athletes at our events when we are? sharing photos, you know, of, 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 of race day. I think if we're doing that, I think we're doing it wrong. I think, I think we should be sharing photos to your point of, of men and women, uh, young and older, um, all body styles, all, all shapes. Like, like, I think that's a really important optic because Mm -hmm. the truth is, um, that all of those people are represented at mountain ultra and trail races. And yet for people that have never been right their perception is that it is, it is only elite people that are doing these God awful, crazy things Uh, in the woods. There's no way that I could do that until they begin to see the imagery from the event. And they look mm -hmm. and like, well, those people are just, those people are just like me. Um, Now maybe they're at the moment a little bit braver than I am, but they're no different than I am. And, 
Um, and uh, so I, I, I think I think that's an incredibly I think that's an incredibly important point um, uh, that you make. I actually think about that quite a bit. Um, so the Loon Mountain Race, I, I mentioned um, the, um, the the championship designation, really the the, the pedigree that this that this mountain race um, has has developed over the years. Uh, it will once again be a USA track and field national championship, although it's a little bit different national championship that it's been in before. That it's been before. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the national championship designation this year at the Loon Mountain Race? Yeah, as as much as I as much as I can. Um, so, so normally it's the mountain championships. This year, once we put in the bids for USA Track and Field, they they called and they said, "Listen, we have this thing." <laughs> uh, so, be, in Thailand are the worlds, and they are they are going to have a vertical championship. So they need the U.S. team needs a vertical team so they asked if i could take out my bid for the mountain championship and put in for the vertical championship having whiteface be the mountain championship the weekend before and this and we kind of keep it in the northeast for a back-to-back weekend and have the selections that way so ian golden and i talked for a while and we said let's do it let's make it kind of a back-to-back weekend so i think a lot of us are going to go out there they're going to come out here um but it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a VK, um, so not not a whole lot has changed in the sense. I mean, the 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 route is still the same. It is um, it's it's the same as last year's course, basically, minus a little a few construction things, but that's about it. Okay, um, so so the, the, there wasn't anything drastic that you needed to do in terms of in terms of a redesign of the course in order in order for it to fit the criteria for for a vertical championship uh for for for, for those that are uh for the listener that's unfamiliar um the loon mountain race is a net uphill event you start at the bottom of the mountain you finish at the top of north peak however there is some downhill uh embedded within the course it's not it's not an unrelenting uphill the whole way a la the mount washington road race uh, right. there is there is there is some descent um there is some downhill uh within the course and that was acceptable for this particular criteria that was that was okay with them so i i said let's do it uh, i think i think there's some I think there's some confusion on terminology from from where Thailand is in the sense of what their course looks like compared to what's coming up. I think that our New England terrain is more more like what they have going on there. So I think it'll be a good fit in the sense of who they pull out for for athletes. I don't know what the course is going to look like over there in the sense of is there any downhill reprieve mm-hmm. at all? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and um, historically, uh, I, I, I believe that the U.S. team uh, has been four men and four women with one alternate. I, I believe. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any idea what the what the what what the what the U.S. team will look like coming out of the Loon Mountain Race? Will it be three men and three women? I think it's three and, and three. But now that this new the new race in Italy. They're picking one and one for that. So I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I don't know if that means that that same person gets picked from for Thailand and Italy or if it's two separate. 
Uh, that's something that we need to talk about. So, mm. so um, be, because it's a because it's a national championship, mm-hmm. um, I mean, typically the Loon Mountain Race attracts people from all over the world. Anyway, right. even even just in its normal uh, ho hum every, every you know every just like an ordinary year. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's it's early yet, but mm-hmm. um, uh, are are you seeing? Are, what are you noticing in terms of a in terms of a in terms of a? Uh, uh, There's a very uh, strong field coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but outside outside of the outside of the strength of the field, outside of the elite side, um, in terms of the geographic representation, um, I mean, our. Uh, I suspect New England is probably heavily represented, but yeah, uh, a lot can, of out can, west. Yeah, can you can you can you off the top of your head rattle off a couple of states that you that you remember seeing in the online registration? Washington, Colorado, California, Idaho, Utah. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, our our whole goal with Ragan and Loon and Kismet is is just get the west the west coasters out here. I mean, that's that's our biggest. Our biggest goal, I, you know, it's we've had multiple conversations with some of the the USATF guys and stuff like that, where you know all of the sponsorship money just goes to the West Coast. It's you know the, nobody comes out to the East Coast. I think because it's so hard. I, I it's <laughs> the East Coast is just a different. It's not dusty horse trails, and I'll say that <laughs> until the day I die. You know what I mean? It, you know, you can go out and do Leadville, or, or you know, even, you know, Big Sky. When we did the rut minus Lone Peak, it's still dusty horse trails out there. Uh, when you come come to the White Mountains, it's unforgiving. Mm. Um, so that that's a that's a good opening uh, to uh, to a question I had for you, and that is. Um, you know, you've you've raced all over the United States. You you just mentioned you just rattled off uh, a handful of events: the Rut, Leadville, um, others uh, that you have personally raced. Um, what, what do you think the New England mutt scene is missing? Uh, again, you you've had the experience of of, of racing some pretty big events uh, across across the country. Uh, as you sit here uh, in in New England in general, in New Hampshire specifically. What, what is what's New England missing? What what are we missing from, uh, let, let's say from from an event standpoint? Uh, I think there's two, there's only two things that were that that were missing from to be the size of the West Coast race scene. Um, one of it is is sponsorship money, and the second is the. How do I put this nicely? Um, the openness and willingness to want these to succeed from the higher ups. Um, some of the things that where they run out west in the national parks um, or in the state parks are are supported 100 um, percent. Here, it's a fight. It is a battle every time we're trying to get permits, every time we're trying to go here, every time, we're trying, you know, it is it's a three month battle. Um, some of the, some of the terrain that you run out West wouldn't give people in the Northeast a heart attack legal wise. Well, you can't run this route because somebody's going to get hurt where, you know, in, when we did the rut and you're running down bone shaker, you know, it's a 3000 foot drop on each side. New Hampshire would never let you do that. Um, so I think that it's, I think we have some constraints. We have to loosen up. Um, we have, you know, 
they don't have the wilderness sections where you can only have 10 people run at a time. Um, it's, it's a bigger area, you know, it's wide open out there here. We just have a, a lot of, um, a lot of rules and regulations that, that are there for a good reason. I think that they can be modified. I think they can make exceptions, which they, it's all black and white. There's no gray. And I think that at some point they're going to have to have to do some gray area. Well, I mean, don't all of these things eventually come down to money? In other words, mm -hmm. in other words, if it was, if it was, if it was lucrative enough to the New Hampshire economy, let's we'll stay in New Hampshire for a moment. Right. But if 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 these tourism dollars that these that these events might bring in, if that was worth it, right? Right. Then, 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 don't you think that that well, this is influential problem, right? people would 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 make would would relax the the restrictions and guidelines and 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 permitting and would would make it easier? It, it I mean, is it is it does it really just come down to that? It's not it's not worth it from a tourism standpoint that these events are so small that it's a drop in the bucket. There's no. There's no incentive right. for a legislator to go out of his or her way to fight for these things because what's the point? It doesn't. It, it's a it drop in change. Right, and so this is when we when I had that meeting with with the governor. That's this is what it was about. And so, all right, how this this is a long story, but how this went is I was in Leadville. I'm taking off my 603 shirt. This guy's like, oh, New Hampshire. My best friend is the gov. This is then. This is kind of how this snowballed where. I get a text the next day from the governor saying, Hey, what do we need to do to get one of these races in New Hampshire? We meet with him. I tell him about the wilderness sections. He's like, that's not a thing. I promise you it is. So his assistant brings out all this paperwork. It was done in the sixties. It's a congressional act. He can't do a thing about it. So basically it was to stop um, all the industrial companies from somehow getting into the white mountains or traveling or using you know trails for logging stuff like that now we're kind of stuck with it where there's no hey if you know 100 people want to run through here that's a no-go so that's you know but we were going over the tourism section of it listen like the point of tourism is to bring the money in from other states it's not to bring from <laughs> southern new hampshire to northern new hampshire that doesn't help the state of New Hampshire at all. Um, while I'm sure there's some North Conway folks who don't want to see one more person from another, <laughs> from another state. Probably true. Um, uh, you know, it would be fantastic if instead of, you know, Colorado people going to California to race, they were all coming to New Hampshire to race. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, every time Western States, all of <laughs> Utah, Idaho, Montana, Colorado, they all go to California. So we should be able to have the exact same thing here. And it, it's just not going to be a thing with, with some of the legislation that's there. Well, the funny thing is that, and you, I've not been there, you've been there, but from what I've heard, I mean, Leadville is just a dusty old town. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't right. for these two iconic events, the mountain bike race and the trail race, 
Um, <laughs> they, now, outside, they now put on seven different races. Okay, but and, uh, and but yeah. but if it, but if not for these events, mm-hmm. what what is Leadville after Nothing. all? My point is that I mean there is there there is a geographic region of the state of New Hampshire that could and probably would welcome the mm-hmm. tourism dollars, and that's the North Country of New Hampshire, right. um, uh, in in which you know historically the North Country of New Hampshire has been has been largely ignored. Um, you know, the, the, the Balsams Resort has been right. abandoned, uh, you know, for several years now. Um, there's 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 a tremendous amount of economic despair north of the notch, uh, north of the notches. And yet, to me, it seems like that is the perfect area. If you were going to bring in a a high visibility, mm-hmm. nationally recognized, super gnarly um, event that 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 takes advantage of, you know, of everything that New Hampshire has to offer that e- somehow it either has to start or finish in the North country of New Hampshire, because I guarantee you that, that the, that the state reps from that area would be knocking themselves over to uh, say, yeah. what, what do we need to do to bring mm-hmm. a thousand people to the North country of New Hampshire? I mean, mm-hmm. w- I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the ultimate economic revitalization plan? And, and, and more so it's not even a thousand runners. It's, now they brought spouses, kids, like family members. I mean, it's it's exponential with with what they bring. Nobody runs, uh, you know, a hundred miler alone. It's you know well, they have well, crew. Good, and- yeah, good point. And they also don't they also don't typically make it make it a day trip, right? They no. they make it they make it a weekend or they make it a week trip right. where they literally come to New Hampshire and they vacation in the state of New Hampshire. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to come all the way from out west. You might as well make it right. I mean, if you're going to if you do it right, you might as well make it a family, a family trip and spend some time. Right. I mean, to me now, I now listen, I, I, I know because I understand that, that you know, the, the terrain and the trails here in New Hampshire, uh, that once you get north of the notch, it, it does get a little bit thin in terms of like the spectacular stuff in the whites. But again, there has to be a way somehow that the event either starts or finishes in in the north country. I mean, I. It, it just to me, it just seems to me that that's that that's the most logical place for it to be. Doesn't it seem that way to you? It, it does, it does. And uh, it, so why hasn't so why hasn't anyone made that happen, Tom? I, I don't know. Are you asking me to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm done putting on new events, but if, but if there's but if there's anybody out there gonna gonna put on something new and something epic, it's uh, it's you, Tom uh. Hooper. You, you are the guy. So I won't, <laughs> I won't squeeze you for, for any, for any insider information into what you may or may not be working on. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that wry uh, laughter as a, uh, uh, as a, as a sign that this is not the first time that you've had this thought and it, it, it's, you probably have had some high level conversations uh, about this. Um let, let me ask you. Let me ask you one last question about uh, about the, the mountain ultra trail uh, running scene here in New England. Generally, again, you've had the opportunity to uh, to mountain ultra trail in other parts of the of the country. Um, wh- what are we doing well here? Um, what are we not doing so well here uh, uh, in in New England in terms of mountain ultra trail? Uh, and you don't necessarily have to name names if you're if you're going to crack on people, but just just in generally in, in general, give me give me your give me your rip on uh, mountain ultra trail that that scene here in, in in New England. No, I think it I think it's great. I think I think everybody's doing a great job. I 
I think we just get a little bit. Um, I don't want to use the word screwed over, but I, it, we, we have such a short season. You know what I mean? So it's you really do have to pick and choose which there's so many good races. You just can't do them all. That's that's the thing. You know, it's like, OK, May, go. OK, uh, October, November, done. It's like, all right, well, that was that was every weekend. You know what I mean? Like True. at some point, you know, and then, you know, you're throwing a, a wedding here and a birthday party here and two holidays. And you're like, well, I only have four or five weekends to, to race. So it's like you, there's so many good races. You just can't you can't do them all. And so, I mean, yeah, no, I don't I don't think there's any any races in New England that are, you know. That I would I would throw into the bus being like, this is just a, a you know, a piss poor race. I don't I don't think there's any that are out there. I think everyone has its own its own charm, and that's not that's not being being PC on 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 a podcast. I'm I'm that's a that's a legitimate statement saying you know I, I think that every one of them has its own its own place, its own you know its own niche, its own thing. You know what I mean? What well, um, you know the 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 event schedule is pretty busy here mm -hmm. uh, in New England um, in the Mountain Ultra Trail space. Now that's a good thing, obviously for participants. Um, because there's a lot to choose from, um, and, uh, across all distances, right. From the, from the shorter, uh, from the sub, you know, ultras to the ultra distance to the stage race. Um, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things to, to, to choose from. Um, do you think, do you think the schedule is too busy? Like, do you, do you, do you think that mountain, mountain ultra trail racing has grown too fast here in new England that, that we may be getting to that same or similar point that the road racing five K's got to that. There are so many events that it's hard for us as, as event management companies to, uh, you know, to attract enough participants in order for it to be worth our, our, our while to do this. Right. What's your, right. What, what, yeah. What, what, what's your take on the growth of mountain <laughs> ultra trail here in new England? Have we grown too fast? Well, so road racing, there's really only, you know, four real races, right? It's 5K, 10K, half, and marathon. Where when you get to trail, there's everything. That's true. I mean. Yeah, that's true. Ra yeah, trail trail races, unlike road races, they don't necessarily have to fit into a distance box. Right. So, but I mean, so you have those first four. But now you have 50k, then you have 50 miler, then you have 100k, then you have 100 miler, then you get into the big boys with the 200s. You know what I mean? And the 250s. So I mean, it. I think it's a progression where you go up. I think some people do too much and then get their opportunity to come back down and be like, "Hey, I'm only going to do halves this this summer. Last summer I put in too much training." personal life, I kind of screwed that up, you know, whatever it is, I think it, I think you're able to kind of reel it in, still keep some love for the trail in the sense of, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm just doing, I'm just doing loon quotation marks. You know what I mean? Where it's, you know, it's, it's still a 10 K. Um, you know, you're still seeing the same people. You're still seeing your community. You still get that trail vibe. I think that I don't think it's over full yet. <laughs> Maybe it gets there. Um, but I think that, you know, yeah, I think, and I think that, you know, you're pulling pe new people in. So maybe they didn't get a chance to do some of them, you know, say they do their first one in August 
at least in you know September, October, November, they have a shot to do a couple more and keep the the vibe alive through winter training to get to some new ones. I don't know. Do you think um, do you think there needs to be a more collaborative effort um, amongst uh, mountain ultra trail uh, event management companies with respect to the schedule? Um, you know, it's like for instance um, in cyclocross, right? There's like it's like a master scheduler and this master scheduler uh, now, obviously the cyclocross racing schedule is much smaller than the new England cyclocross schedule is much smaller than the mountain ultra trail racing schedule. Obviously I get that, but there is some coordination. Uh, mm. There is some collaboration uh, uh, amongst these event management companies, these, these races that they won't, you know, they won't directly cover somebody else's event. Um, it, it has to have happened to you that a new event has come along and has covered up your weekend, mm -hmm. whether it's, whether it's directly covered up your event date or it's covered up your weekend. Uh, yeah. What, what's, yeah. what, what's your take? Nice. What's your it was take nice on when it was just you and me. And then, then we could be like, Hey, you taking this weekend. Good. I'll take the next weekend. Uh, now there you, you are right. There are some, some other companies out there that are just, just throwing dates out there without looking at a schedule um, or, I don't, I mean, I was, I would always check with you first, making sure that I wasn't, you know, stepping on any toes. It's true. I mean, it, it's, yeah, I, I don't, so, do, I so, don't think that respect is, is always out there. Okay. So, so, so safe to say you feel like there, there could be more collaboration when it comes to event management companies about the schedule that look, I I'm with, I'm with you. I think, um, I mean, un until we get to the point where the schedule is too full, right. um, I think competition is a good thing. I think, I think, I think more events is better than fewer events in terms of giving people more choices. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, um, you know, there should be some professional courtesy extended uh, if you are creating a new event and there's no other way that you're going to be able to do it other than covering somebody's weekend to reach out and say, Tom, look, you know, <laughs> we've gone through every permutation that we possibly can. There's no other, there's just no other weekend other than the Vulcan's Fury weekend for us to put on this new mountain race. Right. I'm just letting you know, because I'm not intentionally doing it. It's just my venue is just telling me I got no other, I've got no other, other day, choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, I don't see that happening a lot. In fact, I, I can't remember the last time that I feel fielded that kind of email and I'm not that hard to get a hold of. Um, I, and I don't know what, I don't know what it is. It, it shouldn't be that Uber competitive among event management companies. I mean, we're all drawing from the same, basically right. the same group of people. Um, I don't know. What's your, what's your, what's your read on that? <sighs> what's my read on that? Uh, I mean, know, am I, am it, I, am it, I, am it, I wrong? Am, tell me I'm wrong. There may just be some self-awareness issues. They, okay. they just don't, they don't think about it. I, I don't think it is ever directly intended. I think that there's just some, some self-awareness of, of how things should be done. They don't need to be, they don't have to be. There's no written rule. Uh, I think sports has a lot of unwritten rules. There's a lot of, so yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to answer that in full. <laughs> well, 
for for me anyway, I I I do think that we uh, that as a group we we could all work more collaboratively uh, right. when it when it comes to the schedule, uh, and you know at the at the very least just extend a courtesy email that look I I know I'm covering you but it's not intentional mm-hmm. and if there was anything I could do to not cover you I I would absolutely do that so yeah. you know is there a, you know is there a way we can work something out I mean I think. Look, that, those conversations are easy enough to have, uh, and I, I'd always, I always would feel better if my event was being covered. If the, if the race director just reached out to me and said, "Look, here, here's the deal, nothing personal. This is," and then, and then, and then maybe, you know, maybe explained it like, "We're putting on an ultra. You're doing a, you're doing a mountain race. Uh, right. I get it. There's maybe some crossover, but our feeling is there's a, there's." we're drawing from two different groups within the same larger group. So, you know, we, again, we hate, we hate to cover you up, but we don't really feel like we're going to be impacting your numbers. That's, that's a professional courtesy. That's a professional call. Um, Like that I would respect the heck out of, you know, and not that I, and I don't disrespect anyone clearly because we're just doing our own thing. But um, I do think as the schedule gets busier, we're going to bump elbows. Yeah eventually not you and i i mean you and no, i no no we work not- we work well together it's just uh, there are some other ones that are, we're going to we're going to rub uh, okay um <laughs> well we well uh, i mean so we uh, i have this meeting with some other triathlon race directors that we have in the beginning of the spring and when i found out that they had put reach the beach and iron man timberman on the same weekend yeah, thanks for going through up. the same town. And then so I call the Konya PD and say, listen, I'm just just double sure, you know, making sure that you guys knew what you just did. And it was dead silence on the phone. And he's like, well, I don't think we'd have a problem. And I'm like, you don't think 15,000 people coming through your town at the same time is a bad idea? He's like, well, we do it for bike weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also bring in <laughs> nine other PDs to deal with that. <laughs> so that I think if if you are in September, this is my my PSA right now. If you're in, in Aconia in September, <laughs> you're out of your mind. <laughs> That's going to be a busy weekend. I would not attempt to drive south or yeah. north through that area right. uh, on that weekend. Um, Tom, what are what are you? You're an endurance athlete yourself. So what are what are you currently training for? I have the Pineland Fifty Miler at the end of the month. Is that, is that, is that your only, is, is no. that your, a, is that your a race for the year? No, that's just the qualifier for Vermont 100, which I say every year, I'm never going to do again. <laughs> so, um, so if you, if you run a qualifying time at Pineland in, yep. in May, yep. so this, this, this podcast may, may or may not be released in May, but if, if you're listening and it's outside of May, then Tom has already run uh, Pineland and he has qualified where, you know, I'm, this is a sneak peek. This is a look into the future. He has right. actually qualified for the Vermont 100. So when you, when you qualify for the Vermont 100 at mm-hmm. Pineland, um, uh, you will be running the Vermont 100 then in this July, in this July. Yep. Yeah. Got yep. it. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so why do why do you kiddingly say that, uh, that, that your last Vermont 100, uh, will, would actually be your last Vermont 100? 
it's just it's not it's not my style of race. I don't I don't like the course. I don't like anything about it. <laughs> yeah, but, but but all yeah, my but, friends do it, so yeah, I, I have to go do it. But yeah, yeah, you're continually you're continually drawn to it. Now, right. clearly there 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 are other uh, there are un- other ultras uh, hundred milers in that grand slam of ultra yeah. of ultra running. Um, have you ever thought about uh, doing some of the other uh, some of the other I've events? Done, in I've done, done Leadville Led twice. Uh, I go out every year. Um, I I'm pacing uh, Mick Arsenal and Dan West this year. Um, I you know, we put in for Western most of the years and don't get in. So it's not really a, not really a grand slam opportunity ever. And that's a, that's a uh, Western States is a lottery. Oh yeah. 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 I think the rest of them are, they're all lotteries besides Vermont. Got it. Got it. Um, so, uh, then when you qualify for Vermont at mm-hmm. Pineland, Vermont mm-hmm. will be your a race. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and that's July. <laughs> so then, yeah. What, yeah. So what are you doing with your sorry self for the rest of the year? Well, all the races. I mean, it's it's you know July 10th is is Loon, July 21st is Vermont 100. Then it goes straight to Ragged. We put on Ragged. We leave for Vermont uh, for for Leadville the next weekend. Come back. We put on Kismet the weekend after that. Come back. And then we are, you know, we have two weeks and then it's Vulcans. Once again, this is where we go into the summer's too short. Or, you know, yeah, and then right. after Vulcans, it's, it's snow. <laughs> yeah. Well, af- after Vulcans, it's like two weeks later, you know, if, if you've got good weather, you're putting on the, you're putting on oh, the pumpkin relay. Like, pumpkin so it's, relay. it's almost literally, it's one or two events a month. Uh, right. Uh, as right. soon as you, June as soon as you get in. I don't have a race. So I might have to put on a race in June. <laughs> um, uh, how is your, how is your training for, for Pineland going, by the way, Pineland. I haven't, I haven't noticed you posting any, any, any runs on Strava. I mean, if you are running, you've, you've disabled your, your yeah. GPS device to Strava. You're like, yeah, you're, 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 you're stealth mode with, with your running. What, it, what is happening? Right. Either, either you're not running or you are running and it's not going to Strava. Why am I not seeing any activities from you? And maybe a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, you're not, you're not dealing with any kind of training injury or anything, are you? Nothing. I'm in tip top. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what, yeah. So what, yeah. Tell me, yeah, yeah. What's what, what, what's, what's the greatest challenge to, to ultra distance, uh, training for you? Uh, the greatest it's enough time. It's really, it's enough time. So, I mean, you know, when we put on Dixon's revenge, we're out there marking that course for <laughs> four days, cutting beaver dams and, bringing out pallets and doing a whole bunch of other garbage so it's like yeah great we ran it three times but it's also you know slow and slow going doing it um and then you know it falls right the same time as unh graduation so when i'm bartending it's you know three weeks before that it's it's game on five to six days a week bartending till 2 a.m so you get up you know i'm still in the you know at seacoast kettlebell five days a week or try to be, but, you know, sleep in four or five hours and then do that, come home, do it again. So that's the biggest challenge is just fitting in the time to, to go and put in some, some distance. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good point because it's not like you're training for a 5k trail race or a 10k trail race. These, you know, these, particularly the weekend ultra distance training sessions can be multiple hours, right? And it's about, you know, it's (laughs) how do you carve out how do you, how do you basically carve out an entire weekend? Right. Oftentimes in terms of the training, at least one weekend day is completely 
completely, you know, taken by your training unit. And then generally speaking, if you gone, if you went really long on Saturday, you're usually not worth much on Sunday trying to recover from that activity. Well, for me, it's uh, a little it, different week weekdays for me is easier. Uh, in, yeah, bar, bartending is on the weekends, right? So it. it's, yeah. So it's, it's easier for the weekdays where I can get out, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more so this 50, this 50 K sorry, this 50 miler is going to be, I think I'll be in worse shape for the 50 miler than I will be for the hundred miler just because of what leads up to this 50 miler. In terms of all the other things you've got uh, life. On. Yeah. Life gets in the way so much in the previous 30 days from Dixon's revenge, getting to, to this. Once I get done this weekend after graduation, Boom, then I have time to train for the you know Vermont 100. Yeah, and and just for just for clarification in terms of in terms of qualifying, um, remind 50 me. miles in 12 hours. Okay, yeah, there's a yeah there's a time yeah. component to that. It's not just a finish; you've got to do it sub sub 12 hours. Yeah, nothing nothing um, crazy. I mean, you could you could probably jog it, but. Well, that that said, that Pineland course is not a cakewalk. Um, although the footing is 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 pretty consistent and reliable, it's you know it's carriage roads, it's Nordic trails. Um, the field it is, is a pain in the ass. <laughs> the, the the open fields um, yeah. in which you are subject to to the direct sun if it is in fact a sunny day, mm -hmm. um, and there's 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 a, there's deceptively quite a bit of elevation gain. Um, in, in, in that Pineland course, it's mm -hmm. not, that is, I've, I've obviously, I've never, I mean, the, the, the furthest I ever went, uh, was, was the 25 K there at Pineland. But that said, the 25 K essentially encompasses the 50 K course. Yep. You just, you yep. just run it multiple times with a 50 miler. Um, and it's also not unusual on that weekend to catch a 70 or 80 degree day and, and very few folks are at least new England folks are acclimatized to 70 mm -hmm. or 80 degrees. Uh, and so it, for any number of reasons, that event is not a gimme. Uh, it is not, that's not a cakewalk. I always felt like that was one of the more difficult uh, events in the area. Um, well, uh, best of luck to you there. And, uh, uh, acidotic racing, uh, will see you at, uh, Pinkies, I think. Uh, Acidotic Racing still is the volunteer club for the Pinkies aid station. I believe right. it's Pinkies. Yeah. Um, so our crew uh, will get the opportunity to cheer you on. Tom, I want to finish with uh, with a uh, one of my favorite segments of the show, and that is three random questions. It's called. All right. um, so, but before we start, I need you to verify that you have not received these three questions in advance. Can you verify that you have not heard these three questions in advance? I have not heard these questions in advance. Okay. So now now I'm really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so these are, these are three random questions with Tom Hooper. Tom, you ready? I'm ready. All right, question one for Tom Hooper. Tom, you're having a barbecue, and you can invite one VIP. Now, that VIP is either known or you've never met. Someone from the past or present, someone real or fictional, who would it be? Wow, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Jim Morrison. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> now are you are, are you inviting him to your barbecue for uh, for entertainment? Like, are, are you are you expecting that he's going to play? No, uh, or no, just, or just you just want to hang out with him and stories. have a beer? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think he'd be a good time to hang out with. You think he'd be? You think he'd be popular with your with 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 the rest of the guests at your barbecue? Yeah, yeah. 
that's excellent. Um, ran <laughs> uh, random question random answers for random questions. <laughs> answers, answers to random questions. Uh, random question number two for Tom Hooper. Uh, your life has been made into a movie. Now, when I search for it on demand, what category will I find it in? Will I find it in action, comedy, or drama? Comedy. 100% comedy. <laughs> <laughs> does, crazy, does crazy S happen to you uh, uh, more often than not? Like, like do, you, do you find yourself chuckling at your own life from from time to time just the stuff that happens yeah 100 yeah, yeah all right so yeah a lot so of shaking my head yeah so get yeah so um, I'll, I'll put you on the spot so give me yeah tell 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 a tell a quick story if one comes to your mind about Absolutely something crazy not. i will <laughs> <laughs> i have more stories from bartending than i could we could do our own podcast on that <laughs> well uh Okay. So, um, I'm actually going to change, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears then. Thank you for that. Uh, just, be, just because you said that, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to rip up random question number three. Oh, all right. Gonna... Well, hold on. I want to hear, come on. I mean, do, do you really want, okay. Uh, all right. You, all right. I'm going to, okay. Story? So, okay. So I, I will, I will, I will in fairness actually ask you random question number three, but, um, but, but the question that I, the question that I would then have, have quickly switched to would be this one. Three that days. is, what's <laughs> a story, days. what's a story you love to tell, but you seldom get the chance to now. Oh. Okay. That's a, so that's the question that I would have asked you and you would have drawn upon your, you would, that's the question that I would have gone to as a redirect. Um, but I'm not going to ask you that question. All right. Okay. I'll save that for another one. The actual third question um, is this one. So random question number three for, for Tom Hooper. Tom, what's the most irrational superstition or fear you have? Ooh. That's a great question. There's no, no fear. There's something that I do that just doesn't make any sense. Yes, you know, so you know what? You, I, all right. You, you, all right. Yeah, this is going to sound ridiculous. You know, when you have a bar of soap and it sits in the tray and then it gets that, that, that film, I can't use the bar with the film on it. Can't do it. I, I don't know what that stuff is. It's just soap. It's wet soap. I know it, but I can't use it. Don't like it. You don't, you don't have the ability to, to like rinse it off and no, but you start... know when it's been sitting there for like, a, like two days and it's like white now and the bar is green. It, whatever that is, I can't, I can't do it. That's <laughs> Tom, I, now that we all have gels. It's fantastic. <laughs> I never have to have that fear anymore, but that, 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 that I couldn't do it. Tell me, tell me you didn't have to crack open a new bar of soap every time you, every time you found it. No, but you use the other side. That that perhaps was that perhaps was the best part of the of the entire show, Tom. <laughs> Tom, listen, I I really appreciate you uh, uh, coming on as a guest. This conversation, um, as I expected, uh, was uh, was interesting and it was entertaining. And uh, uh, I hope to have you back on the show uh, uh, soon. So so thanks again, Tom, for for uh, for for joining me. Thanks for doing this. I love it. I always find it interesting to get the perspective of another regional race director. 
You know, collectively, we feel the same pressures and see the same opportunities, but rarely, if ever, do we actually get together to collaborate. And if Tom does have the governor's ear on a national caliber event in the North Country, leave it to him to make it happen. Well, if you liked what you heard, please consider giving the show a follow. And if you really liked what you heard, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J. Dunn, so please make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.